Welcome to the All In My Head podcast. We're so glad you decided to give this podcast a listen. We're a group of teens that are making a podcast for you, by you. We will counter stereotypes around mental health in the teen BIPOC and LGBTQ plus community and talk about things you might find a little uncomfortable. Join us twice a month for a reminder that you are not alone in these struggles. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the All In My Head podcast. I'm here with two representatives from the Black and Beyond the Binary Collective. Could I have you all introduce yourselves and your role in the organization real quick? Yeah. Hi, I'm TJ. Um, I use them pronouns and I'm the Mojo program intern. And my name is Denasia. I use she, they pronouns and I'm the Mojo program coordinator. Awesome. Could you explain a little bit more about what Black and Beyond the Binary is and what y'all do? Black and Beyond the Binary is a Black, trans, and non-binary-led collective. It's basically was established in 2020, and we're a group of radical queers invested in curating joyous spaces for healing, growing, and learning. Collectively, I guess, like, we are a group of people who are facing the realities of our communities and prepping them for a world that advances them beyond that. And why is it important to have spaces like this specifically for Black people who identify outside of the gender binary? Well, I think the reason is because in many like queer spaces, Black queer people and trans individuals are not really seen. It's usually like white dominated. And I think it's mostly like pressuring because historically Black trans people have been like leading queer movements and really important in those movements. And so it's kind of just like in a lot of spaces, there's just not representation like that. And well, my personal experience in a lot of spaces happen to be pretty racist. I also think like there's not many spaces specific to Portland who's creating spaces that are joyous for Black, queer, non-binary, and gender-variant people. So to have a space where people can come as their authentic selves and even get leadership opportunities to advance them in whatever they dream of doing is very important for anyone's well-being. Like, you need support to do that. And I feel like our organization is something that prides itself in being able to say that we're one of the only Black trans-led organizations that does that in Portland specifically. Yeah, definitely. If you feel comfortable talking about it, I understand if not, but what experiences led you to become part of Black and Beyond the Binary or drew you to this organization? I found out about this organization through the youth program. So I was part of the youth program last summer, and then I was hired on as an intern. And yeah, I mean, the, the main reason what attracted me to the org is just, yeah, that it's it's serving people like me and how I identify. So it felt very, like, right and very, like, comfortable to be a part of this space. And so I love working here. It's great. Yeah, I think similar story. Um, but I started in 2017 when the Emoja program wasn't a part of Black and Beyond the Binary Collective. And it was led by uh, Zubby who's now the ED of Black and Beyond the Binary. So joining in the first cohort where it was open to any like gender identity, it wasn't specific to trans and non-binary or queer Black youth, but it centered just around Black liberation and going through a school system where I was in a predominantly white 
school, it was important to me to learn how to organize because we were practicing ways of doing that, but we never really understood it as a skill to change something in the world or just in our school system alone. So that's really what attracted me to being in this, not only the Moja program alone, but I now run the program Mm -hmm. after being in it for about three years. So yeah, I feel like that's why I like doing my job because it allows people to have voice and it, it gives a different perspective. And I think you deserve to have a, or their perspective heard. So yeah, I, I like being here too. (laughs) That's super awesome. I definitely think that youth perspectives get overshadowed no matter Mm -hmm what organization you're a part of a lot of times. So it's really cool that y'all have that program. Could you talk a little bit more about kind of how the program came to be and how it's organized? Yeah, so the youth program came to be through Zubby, who basically dropped into the David Douglas High School VSU and recruited about eight of us. Um, Some people were college students and Majority of us were high schoolers, just spanning Portland, Oregon. And a lot of us were already doing very radical things without realizing how radical we were. So it really started with having us learn about labor laws, workers' rights, and doing small disruptions to people's workday or just understanding what it's like to go on strikes when you're working. Eventually, I feel like this led into our cohort almost expanding like over the next three years to being about 15 to 20 people where we started off as eight people within a small boardroom. And it just centered on radical education, which I always appreciated because I feel like if you're going to advocate for yourself, coming from a place of knowing your history, as well as being validated in that being Black, queer, and non-binary is something that's always existed in the world. And yeah, like we really get to center that when we come into Emoja. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. What successes have you seen from youth who've come out of Emoja or what impact has it had on their lives? Well, for me personally, since I was in the program last year, I mean, having the opportunity to now work with Denasia on like the curriculum and everything has been really fun and really cool to be on the backside of it. And I'm really excited to see like what the program looks like this year from like now the perspective as someone helping the facilitator and everything. But directly after the program, I, I was thinking a lot about my own definition of organizing. Cause I think to me, like originally when I thought of organizing, it was like a very specific, like either, like direct action or like you're in like meetings all the time, like organizing like events or doing something like that or planning stuff. That sounds very vague. But I've realized that organizing for a bigger picture or something. And so what I've realized is that the small stuff that I do with a couple of my friends that were interested in like in the same thing or like are struggling with like, like a workplace or struggling with at a school or something like coming together as a community and like discussing those issues is also a form of organizing. And I didn't realize that organizing for social justice issues, like it it doesn't have to be big or like for like everyone, like the bigger like message or whatever, it can still work in like your personal lives. I don't know. This might be too big. No, that makes sense. Okay. 
But um, so yeah, so it's like, oh yeah, I'm organizing in my life with my friends and people I care about about like how we're being mistreated at like a school or like in the workplace and everything. So it was kind of cool connecting those dots of like, yeah, I've been doing this work and this is what it looks like. And it doesn't have to be, uh, oh, I've been organizing for 20 years, so I know better than you or something. Because I know that's happened sometimes. I felt discouraged in other like organizing spaces that specifically were like a, uh, like a radical org or something that like you have to listen to the older people kind of like, yeah, what we were saying with the youth, like younger people don't when they get listened to a lot of the cases. So in those environments, I felt very like small and not important. I'm just following along. So yeah, this program really helped me kind of reframe what organizing looks like and like what my part of organizing is and now how to help encourage other youth. I think like this program also provides a space for Black youth to develop a stronger critical awareness of the oppressive systems that they're living under, especially because a lot of these systems try to render them as powerless or victims to those systems, where it's important to build people power and to help people understand that just them individually holds a certain power that your community needs. And that's essentially what we need in trying to liberate anybody. But we also like marry like radical knowledge and action for youth to put their thoughts and experiences into community action and like watch that come into fruition through having them host programs like Night Out for Safety and Liberation, which Emoja has held the biggest Night Out for Safety and Liberation since 2017 in the nation. So I think it's a big, big deal, like TJ said, to show people that your voice really matters. And we've had the opportunity to graduate about 30 youth since 2017 from this program who I think are doing amazing things. That's really incredible. Oh, my gosh. Can you talk a little bit about what the Night Out for Safety and Liberation is? Yeah, so basically Night Out for Safety and Liberation is held by the Ella Baker Center in partnership It's a very intentional event, and it's curated differently state to state, depending on who participates. But for us, it's been a really important event to curate every single year because we intentionally make it a joyous space where we don't have to always come in and think about organizing as something that's sad, although we are facing pretty detrimental realities. But typically, we just have it as a space to provide mutual aid to people, whether that be, uh, I think we did COVID testing before, food boxes, entertainment. Um, We also provide kids zones. So it's a very intergenerational space for people to come and have a conversation about one, what does the world look like when we eliminate policing? And right now, what do we have to do to practice those things? as well as what does safety and community safety look like for each and every one of us, um, because it does look differently. And as we're all fighting to alleviate ourselves or decolonize our minds or seek liberation, it's important to start having those conversations. And Night Out for Safety and Liberation is the place to do that. That's super cool. And what I hear you talking about when you're talking about making these spaces joyous, it counteracts a lot of what we've heard about organizing in that it burns people out and it gets people tired. And I think that that's really fantastic. 
Can you talk about how you continue to remain mentally well while organizing and what kind of strategies you implement at Black and Beyond the Binary to make sure that people's mental health is stable? Hmm, that's a big question. <laughs> I think personally, what I do is I like going outside. I love being in nature. Um, and as we know, like seeing the color green is very good for your psychological and mental and emotional self. So getting some fresh air, connecting back to the earth is very, very important in the way that I take care of myself. I also think at Black and Beyond the Binary specifically, we only do four hour work days or four, four, four days. Four day work days, work weeks, <laughs> so that people aren't getting burnout. And I mean, we see the work environment in the now, and it's very exploitive, and it doesn't care about its employees, and it's essentially based on burning people out and getting rid of people and, you know, redoing that whole entire cycle. And I feel like we do a really good job of taking care of each other, setting very strict boundaries and making sure that we're checking in on people working when they're not supposed to be working, mm -hmm. people going home when they're supposed to go home and people taking breaks and doing their, using their vacation hours and all these different things, especially being a part-time person and a student, like even getting healthcare benefits as a part-time person and even being able to go and live my life after work because it's not draining me is something that's so important to my well-being and I feel like yeah we do a great job of taking care of each other all together and just being friends honestly which I think is great because you don't find that a lot in workplaces yeah and to add on to that what I was thinking I guess in regards to like how we help with like our community and in regards to like what we do as an organization, what I think of is like, like for mental health, it's like, oh, are my needs getting met and everything? And so one of the things that like um, our organization, <laughs> oh my God, our organization offers, we have a um, housing fund to give money to people who are having um, issues with housing in some way. And I think that's very important, obviously, because like if you are struggling with housing and everything, that's going to be really hard on your mental health. And that's one of the needs that needs to be met for um, individuals. And then uh, also we were talking about how um, Night Out for Safety and Liberation, like that event is very uplifting and very like powerful and like just a good time to get together with people. And that for sure, like connecting with people was very important connecting with our community, especially in these hard times and everything, which has also been difficult with like COVID has kind of like impacted the black community and queer community just because being together is very important and like a safety thing for sure, like being in those spaces. So yeah, it's been, it's kind of been, at least for me personally, it's been even more difficult managing mental health during COVID times, but yeah, we also have TDOR. That's also a good, what's that stand for? I forget what it stands for. Trans Day of Resilience. Okay. It's typically Trans Day of Remembrance, mm -hmm. but in Portland specifically, we turned it to Trans Day of Resilience as a way to uplift it. Yeah. And honor our ancestors. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I feel like trying to navigate the world we live in as black and queer people and still find like pockets of like, Oh, bringing each other together and being positive and living through this together. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's, that's so true. I feel like you, you have to find the places of joy in, in this current world, especially with COVID-19. A lot of our listeners are young people who are currently in high school and they might be involved in clubs like Black Student Union or things like that. How can they implement some of the kind of strategies that you've talked about with, you know, making spaces joyous and not overworking yourselves? How can young people implement that into their own lives, clubs and organizations? Mm, That's a really good question. That's an amazing question. Well, personally, I'll shout out the the David Douglas VSU specifically, because that has been a space that taught me how to be more open and speak up and advocate for myself and my community. As we see in like predominantly white schools, a lot of Black students get caucused and they heal best in community. And so seeing spaces like BSU are already very joyous for those students. But I think watching generations of people from the seniors that fought to have the BSU there, from my generation that fought for the first Black History Month assembly to happen, as well as doing call outs to teachers who are participating in things that made Black students uncomfortable. I think that it's a very possible thing to watch students and youth be a part of the change that they see within their school systems. And so I think in terms of implementing those things, you can definitely holler at us and we'll help you organize some things. And even joining our cohort is something that is a tool that all youth would be able to use in terms of getting the skills and building up the leadership to do those things, as we know that it sometimes gets very hefty and like, I guess like discouraging going through school systems and not having joyous spaces to be in. But yeah, I think it's really just implementing taking care of each other and what does it take to take care of each other? And I think that it takes advocacy and speaking up on behalf of those next to you and using that, same people power that I talked about earlier to make changes within your school. Yeah. I think the easiest thing is just like checking in and like asking, Hey, Mm -hmm. how are you doing? Like, is this content like too much? Like what can we change? Like how can we make this more like accessible or just like easier to understand or like take in? I know for like a group that I'm like doing through organizing work with that, um, I make sure that we have fun hangout days where we're not talking about the the topic that we're or like the problem that we're trying to solve to make sure we're just like, here's food, here's drinks. Like we're just hanging out. Like we do not have to talk about what we normally talk about. Like let it just be chill. Typically, sometimes we still talk about the subject, <laughs> but if that happens, then we put a time to it. It's like, oh, we're only talking about this for maybe 15 minutes and then we're not. So just being aware of the energy level, I guess, around of like the the topic or like how everyone's feeling and just, yeah, making sure there's space for laughter and like yeah. just peace for a little bit or however much space and just, yeah, just calling it out and being like, hey, like how, how is everything? Yeah. And to add to that, like, I think it's very important to let Black youth be young 
And I feel like oftentimes we end up radicalized so early to the point that that kind of takes over our whole life of like theorizing the ways that we can change things. But I think, yeah, providing spaces where young people just get to be young Mm -hmm. um, is so important. Like I would have loved a space like that growing up. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for those like pieces of advice. That was fantastic. Are there any other resources or organizations in Portland that you would recommend for Black queer youth who are looking for that kind of space? I think TARO, which is a program of APANO, and it's a non-binary-led program uh, for sexual education, and it's incredible. It's ran by some comrades of mine. It's open to all identities. You don't have to be Black. You also don't have to be queer or trans or non-binary to be a part of the program. But it is led within that lens, which I think is very important to say, so that folks feel safe to actually be included in this program. The other organ I thought of is Ori Art Gallery. I mean, they're run by amazing people that are Black, trans, non-binary people. Yeah, they don't... I don't think they specifically have, like youth programs or anything but it's uh I used to work with them but they're just amazing people and all pretty much all their art and their gallery and everything is by also black trans non-binary individuals and they well before the pandemic they had like workshops and everything it was a very like powerful community space so yeah so they're great too and of course, sign up for Emoja because we're always here to support our community and create more community, like, all the time. Yeah. When can youth sign up for Emoja and where would they go to do that? Right now. Sign up for Emoja right now. You can go on our website. Um, you can also go on all of our social medias, which is our Instagram page at 2 black for binaries I'm pretty sure that's the same app for Twitter. And then our Facebook page is Black and Beyond the Binary. And our website is blackandbeyondthebinarycollective.org. All right. Thank you all so much. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about, you know, Black and Beyond the Binary, your advocacy work? This summer is when Night Out for Safety and Liberation happens, August, I think, 2nd this year. And that's a Tuesday. So I would definitely show up for that. Had to plug that. (laughs) Um, But other than that, like, we appreciate this interview, and it's been very nice chatting with you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. This was fantastic. There was so much great advice and knowledge shared. Make sure to check out the Black and Beyond the Binary Collective. You know, head out to some of those events. Consider joining Umoja or supporting them financially if you can do so. And with that, I will end this interview. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, y'all. This podcast was created using a grant from the Oregon Alliance to Prevent Suicide in partnership with the Association of Oregon Community Mental Health Programs and with funding from the Oregon Health Authority. The adult advisor is Nicole Mayer, music by Waterboy, shared on Pixabay.